Well, I want to welcome you to the Hills Church at home. Hey, I encourage you like I do each and every week. Go to our website, download today's message notes. Also in the message notes are um, verses for you to receive communion wherever you might be when you stop, if you're catching up throughout the week. And also you can download our kids activity sheet as well. That's hillschurcharcadia.org. We've been doing a series uh, looking at Jesus's miracles. In fact, in the places that he, he actually was. Today, I want to look at one that happened in the middle of the synagogue or what we would call today of a miracle taking place in church. And it's probably not uh, what you expect, but needless to say, uh, we'll look at that today. And I want to remind uh, all of us of this couple key verses as we get into this today. We've been reading this each and every week for the last several months that we stay focused really on these two themes as we look in Jesus's miracles and then as we personally look at our life today. And it says this in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus's words the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, we looked at this verse last week, but this one word that I'm going to mention in this verse is what really impacted me and kind of adjusted a little bit uh, of my study and preparation for this message. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. In fact, I don't know if you caught it, but when I read that one, um, he went about doing good, healing all that were, and there's that word oppressed, oppressed by the devil. I'm going to look at that uh, a little bit today, though, we're going to look at a, a guy that was more than op, uh, oppressed in the synagogue. Um, all those were who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus went about doing good, healing those who were oppressed because God was with him. In fact, there's an interesting difference, and you can uh, read it. It's in the notes. Read in one sitting Genesis chapter 1. And Genesis chapter 2. And then when you end with that, think back a little bit of what you just read in Genesis 1 and 2. God speaking the creation of this earth, the world, the plants, the animals, uh, breathing life into the dirt became Adam. Next thing we know is um, he brings Eve to him. He creates Eve out of uh, his rib. And then we read chapter when everything changed, when Satan came in the garden and Satan used twisting God's word to confuse Adam and Eve so that they would make decisions thinking about self and not God. We understand there's that, that ever theme in Proverbs about the fear of the Lord. But what a, what a change that take place that the hatred of Satan towards God he used that against God to twist the thoughts of his own, Adam and Eve, so that they would choose self over what God said. 
and they would choose what the serpent said or what Satan said in a twisted form over what God said. And though begins, as we, as we read on in Genesis and all throughout, the whole history of this broken world system of the hatred of Satan against God taken out on mankind. You know, the Bible says that you and I were created in the likeness of God. And though uh, there's nothing Satan can do against God, he tried with Jesus and he failed. But what he does is he does that and tries to get it against us. Yet the Bible's very specific about the armor that's given to the believer, the authority that's given to the believer, the protection that we're given. Psalm 91, his angels are given charge around us, but he continues to oppress people. Isn't it interesting when you say the word oppressed, doesn't it easily sound like you could say depressed? That oppression, that heaviness. In fact, the um, original word in the Greek oppressed means a harsh control to use one's power against another, to uh, oppress, hold you down, beat you up, harsh control. Jesus came to heal all who were oppressed. In fact, I think that should uh, change the way we come across people, that when we pray and when we interact with people, that we remember that that is real, that oppression from the enemy is real, and praying over them to be free is healing indeed. You know, it's interesting when Satan came at Jesus in Luke chapter 4, Jesus was hungry. He hadn't eaten or drank anything for 40 days, 40 nights in the desert, wild animals, we read in one of the accounts. And Jesus overcame every temptation that Satan threw at him. In fact, the Bible says these words in Luke chapter 4, verse 13. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. That's what Satan does. He looks for those opportune times in us, areas of weakness. You know, you're a different person, they say, when you're super tired or you're super hungry. Isn't that interesting? Or you're lonely. He looks for those opportune times to take advantage. And we, as people that um, are mature, or whether you're listening today and this is all new to you, there's that opportunity to reach out. Don't be oppressed. Don't be depressed. Know that there is healing in Jesus, and yet the enemy wants to attack in that area so that you feel beaten down. Jesus wants you lifted up, high and, and lifted up. Well, I want to read this one, um, just a few verses today in Mark chapter 1. In fact, I'm going to get my Bible and read it out, reading out of the New King James. Now, this is Jesus speaking in the synagogue, okay? So he's teaching in a synagogue. He's not out in the villages. He's not out in a field anywhere. This is in the middle of the synagogue, and it says this, in Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Now, when they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he, this is talking about Jesus, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Now, there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? 
Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region and Galilee. Okay, we read the story. He's in the synagogue. We would use the analogy today, in the middle of church service, something breaks out. I was remembering a story happened not too long ago um, in our church, in our facility. Our baptismal is located behind the stage. And so I was in the back, and at that time, we were doing uh, water baptisms right af after our worship time. And I'll never forget the song that they were singing. We could hear it in the back. It was the song, Good, Good Father. You're a good, good father. You know, and I could hear it along. We're waiting. I think it was the last song. And all of a sudden, I started hearing somebody sing, uh, it's a good, good. But they used the word, they used the word M with the word F. Good, good, M, F. And I thought, did I hear that? I was thinking, God, forgive me if I listened to something or saw a movie that something was mentioned. I'm trying to think where those words would come in. No, nobody would be yelling that. Then I heard it again, as clear as can be. There happened to be a young man in our service uh, that day, which I would call very oppressed. Actually, so one of our uh, greeter team was able to get him, take him outside, minister to him. But he was yelling out in service. Well, for many pastors and, and uh, people of different services, or if you've traveled and done anything missions, these things happen, right? Yet in the middle of this synagogue, this guy cries out. And here's what's interesting about it. With Jesus's authority, notice Jesus, he didn't say anything. Guaranteed he knew it was there. But the spirit cried out, that evil spirit cried out. What are you going to do to us, right? And Jesus, just with that one word, was able to not only rebuke him, quiet him, but set the man free, right? But here's what the devil tries to do. He tries to disrupt the message, the message of the gospel. Any place where the word is being taught. In fact, we read that in Mark chapter 4 uh, a little bit later. Is Satan comes immediately to steal the word. He wants to cause that opposition, that oppression. To keep people oppressed, beaten down. He wants, he wants it that way. And yet there's this disruption in church. But here's what it is. The first miracle that we see take place is in a, uh, in, in a synagogue is a demon-possessed guy, not a man with a withered hand, not a sick young girl, not somebody that's been lame from birth. It's a devil coming out. But we see on many occasions where evil spirits knew exactly who Jesus was, and he was the Son of God. Think about it. Even an evil spirit knows that Jesus is Lord. There are no atheists among demons. No, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, and, and I don't know if um, this is a true account, but I know it's happened to me on a, numerous occasions where I'm pulled up to a, a red stoplight, and I stop, and people are crossing the crosswalk, and you see a certain individual that you look at, and they turn, and they look at you, and they continue to look at you 
when they're passing your car and they look at you with a different set of eyes. And I've had that happen before. And I always feel like the spirits inside of us are completely different. Mine being God's spirit, his being whatever evil spirit. And there's like some spirit thing. Well, he's looking at me. And that's happened on a number of times where you look at somebody in the eyes and you think, this isn't just somebody looking at me or they don't like my car. I thought I should have my car washed. They're looking at me different. Evil spirits knew exactly who they were dealing with. Isn't it interesting that um, oppression, that confusion that could take place in the synagogue, yet we know the synagogue, the reaction is not what would happen today. If that happened in a lot of our churches, man, people would scatter and run and get out. But what happened is they knew Jesus had authority. He took care of it. He had authority. In fact, we read in the book of James where James writes this, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Even the demons believe and tremble. You know, we were looking at, you can look at it later, and it's in the notes, Mark chapter 5, verse uh, 1 through 29. When um, Jesus went over to uh, the other side, remember they were in the storm, and he uh, commanded the storm, and he steps out of the boat, and there instantly comes the demon-possessed man, who we know according to the Bible, says he has a legion of demons, which a legion back in Roman died, that number, or that wooding would, would have represented 6,000. And yet those the community only knew how to treat the outer man. Here's how they treated him. He's out of control. We're going to chain him up. We're going to bind him. We're going to do whatever. Well, he breaks the chains. He breaks the shackles. He cuts himself with with sharp rocks. He runs around naked in the tombs and the mountains, screaming and yelling. He's got control of that entire area. The only way the community knew to deal with him was to treat the outer person. They never knew how to treat the root cause, the inside. Isn't it interesting that James says, the demons believe and they tremble. They know uh, where they're going to end up. In fact, they, they tremble. It's interesting, though, when Jesus sets this man free, we read this in the Bible that he's now sitting, not screaming. He's praising and not cursing. He's dressed. He's not naked. He's in his right mind. He's not insane any longer. He's converted now to Christ. He's a believer in who Jesus is, and he's a captive no more of Satan. No more is he captive. In fact, it's amazing to think of that the demons wanted to be cast into the swine. Now, that might seem uh, unusual to us, and there's a couple um, theories possibly. One is they're used to being in some type of live body. That could be it. Two is um, those swine, think about 2,000 of them. What if they turned and went after Jesus and the disciples? Well, that could have happened. But what, what we see happens is they completely go and they go off the cliff. Maybe that was their intended plan to cause a disruption amongst the people. Well, if the plan was to disrupt the people and get their eyes off of the one that was delivered onto the money that they lost, then those people fell for the trap. In fact, I'd come across this one old poem, and I, I it did make me crack up a little bit when I read it. In fact, um, it's called Gardia AD 31, and it goes like this, talking about Jesus and the people. Rabbi, 
Be gone. Thy powers bring loss to us and ours. Remember, 2,000 pigs that normally they would sell for money are gone, drowned, right? Thy powers bring loss to us and ours. Our ways are not as thine. Thou lovest men, we the swine. Oh, get thee gone, O holy one, and take these fools of thine. Their souls? What do we care for their souls? Since we have lost our swine. Then Christ went sadly. He had wrought for them a sign of love and tender divine. And they only wanted swine. Christ stands without your door and gently knock. But if your gold or swine the entrance blocks, he forces no man's hold. He will depart and leave you to the treasures of your heart. You know, we read that and Jesus steps in the boat that goes the other side. The man who has been freed wants to be with Jesus. Jesus has a plan. In fact, this man goes into those 10 cities and he begins to say what uh, Jesus happened to him and what he did. And we read in uh, Mark chapter 7 that Jesus goes back. And at the beginning of that, 4,000 men are there. What the enemy would try to rob and what people would try to do did not throw off Jesus's plan. Jesus had that plan to see even the possessed free. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed because God was with them. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. If the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. You know, I pray that during this message, that that word oppressed, that the next time somebody wants prayer. You know, many times we think of a physical type healing. We forget that Jesus went around doing good, healing all that were oppressed. The oppression is real. The depression is real. But he went about healing those things to the root cause of the person's heart. I pray that one, when you begin to pray with somebody the next time, and maybe it's not something physical, but man, deep down on the inside, that is as real and as destructive as anything else. I pray for you today that if you're dealing with any type of oppression, depression, if you feel beaten down, if somebody's words or some actions have beaten you down, or if you're caught up in the narrative of the day, I pray today that you are free in Jesus' name. Lift those things off. Find yourself caught up. Get some worship music on. Allow God's spirit to set you free. Don't be oppressed. Be free in Jesus' name. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed. Be free today. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, would you pray this prayer with me? The most important prayer that you'll ever make, number one, but it's the most important. Pray this with me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today, I'm in your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for a first time today, 
I would encourage you to reach out um, by the social media platform that you're following right now or you're listening to this message. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, click on the contact button, or email us at info at hillschurcharcadia.org. The most important next step, tell somebody so they can get you some resources in this walk of faith. In this walk of faith. As we go into a time of communion before we uh, close up, I encourage you to find some bread, find some juice, go through the scriptures that are on the page. But I, I wanted to mention something um, that I had I had read and I had thought about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, it lets us know that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Remember those words, as often. Doesn't have to be the first Sunday of the month, the first day of the week. It can be as often that you remember him. But the other thing that's very powerful that made me think about was this one verse that's in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. And the end of it, Jesus says these words, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I always got this picture of, you know, you drop a, a heavy object on your toe and you yell out. Mm. Sometimes you say these words just come out and you think, where did that come from? Well, that's in the abundance. Somebody cuts you off in the freeway. What comes out? Or maybe it's a hand motion or whatever. That's out of the abundance of the heart. How we fix the abundance of the heart is we do so with God's word. And here was the thought that made me think of our, our time in communion and your time is don't align yourself with your ailment, right? Align to the cross and sacrifice of Jesus. You know, it doesn't take long to be in a conversation with somebody that all they talk about is their ailment. You would think that that's all they have going on in life. Talk about the cross and talk about the sacrifice and healing of Jesus. Don't talk about all the things that are going on. Talk about the truth, right? Talk about that. In fact, I, I remember hearing this mentioned years ago. Some people have more faith in the thorn of the flesh that the Apostle Paul talked about than they do the stripes of Jesus. Get back to believing in the stripes of Jesus. Don't align your words with your ailment. Your ailment is not who you are. You're a child of the King, the Most High God. Align yourself with Him. And in some cases, keep your mouth shut. Allow the abundance on the inside to change. Well, as you receive communion today with those elements at the end of our message, take time and remember align yourself to the cross. Align yourself to the broken body of Jesus and the cup of forgiveness. I pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. And in our giving today, in our tithes and offerings, I want to read this one, two verses to us. Psalm 34, verse 8 and 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you who you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. 
know, if you've ever tried to go on a uh, no carb diet and you're not eating bread and you happen to go to a restaurant and they serve you this hot, freshly baked sourdough bread and butter or your favorite bread. Oh, the temptation and you can smell it, right? Well, remember that verse. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Pray this prayer with me. Pray it from your heart to your Father God. Lord, as I give in today's offering, I believe that you, O oh Lord, are a loving, kind, gentle, giving, and generous God. You will not hold back any good things for my life. You are my provider. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I also want to mention we actually have a couple projects uh, that we're doing to, to reach out. One is we're doing some kids ministry projects for some audiovisual in our room. And also we're getting ready to begin a weekly food ministry at the church. We're actually needing to um, convert some space, add in some doors to an exterior part of our church, prepare with refrigerators and freezers to begin to reach uh, two to 300 people every single week on our campus. If you would like to be a part of that, um, reaching out also to our kids and to a food ministry, in your giving, you can go uh, to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, and you can give towards our building fund. Give towards our building fund, and those funds will go towards our kids' ministry, also go towards our food ministry. And if you're giving your tithes and offerings, you can do the same. Go to our website. You can give that way. And if you'd rather give by mail, you can do so. You can write to us, the Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419. Arcadia, California, 91066. The Lord bless you for your support. If you want any more information, email us at info at hillschurcharcadia.org. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? Where does your help come from this week? Your help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Don't align yourself to anything physical. Align yourself to his word. His word does not return to itself void. His word does not return to itself empty. It accomplishes what it is sent to do, and it will perform its word, his word in your life. The Lord bless you. Have a great day. Look forward to connecting soon. God bless.